I want to talk tonight. We're going to finish up our series. Um, they're already shouting. Praise God. Hey, somebody deal with the door back here if you can't shut that door. Um, you know, um, uh, we've been talking about yours to win. I, I believe, I believe that everything in life God designed you to win. And anything other than winning is just not God's best for you. It doesn't mean that it always looks like winning. You understand? Sometimes it may look like it's a failure, but we recognize that's nothing more than transition. So anything that looks like a failure really isn't a failure at all. It just means you're transitioning from one place to another place. And that's when the devil will whisper in your ear and say all kinds of crazy stuff about you. You're stupid. You're dumb. You're not good enough. You know, if God really wanted to help you, he'd have done it by now, things like that, to discourage you, to get you off. Off track. Everybody say shift. I believe with all my heart there is a shift that's taking place not just in America but worldwide in the body of Christ. And when there's a shift taking place, that's an opportunity for the enemy to come and begin to breed all this kind of failure talk or you're getting too old or your time has passed or, you know, or if it would have happened, it would have happened by now kind of stuff because you're in that transition mode. So you're shifting from one place to another. And the common theme that I hear a lot from a lot of people is not, it's not where they were. They're not where they were, rather. They're not where they were and they're not quite where they feel they should be yet. It's like they're in this place of limbo. That's not a bad place. We as human beings do not like that. We like our ducks in a row. We like one, two, three. We like to have everything organized on a legal pad, spelled out, and our life perfectly resembles what we have, we have actually planned out. How many knows that doesn't always happen that way? Life has a way of adjusting, uh, detouring us. Um, there's uh, things that we can't help, things that we could help. All these different factors play in, but there is a shift that's happening, bar none. I'm seeing it everywhere. Even at lunch, we're talking about that very fact. You can't deny it's happening with God's people. And when a shift begins to take place, it almost always brings a struggle into your life. Now, you can struggle against it and make it 10 times worse, like someone who snares or traps uh, animals for a living or to survive. Like I watch that show alone, and they'll set a snare so they can survive for, for, the, for, the, um, uh, for the mouse or for, the, um, or for the, uh, the rabbit, and that thing will get caught in the snare. And the more it struggles against the thing that's around its neck, the more it asphyxiates itself and kills itself. It really kills itself because of the struggle of what they're going through. Let me just make this statement. The struggle that you're going through doesn't define you. It's meant to refine you. Let me say that again. The struggle doesn't define you. It's meant to refine you. It's not meant to destroy. It's meant to deploy. God wants to take you from a place and bring you to another place. Now, I want us to look, if we can, at, uh, let's see, let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 4. And let's look at verse number, I believe it's 16 or 17. Um, it says this, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. That's good. Watch this, what Paul says. We are hard-pressed on every side. Now, he's keeping it 100. He's keeping it real. There's a lot of pressure all over my life. Watch this statement, though. Watch his confession. Yet not crushed. So the devil took his best shot, but you're still standing. Someone say amen. Yeah, we are perplexed, but we're not in despair. 
We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We may have been struck down, but we've not been destroyed, which means we're going to get back up. Don't struggle against the struggle. Notice that the struggle is there, not to bring you down, but to bring you out. Touch your neighbor and say, I'm coming out. How about you? It's in the struggle, it's in the struggle that you will either identify with the pain or you'll identify with the purpose, which you're going to be. Which you're going to be. You're going to identify with the pain that you're going through, and so many people do, and they become the victims in life, and they're always saying how this has happened to me bad, and that man did me wrong, and that woman's terrible, and, you know, my parents, and if I didn't have, and all that stuff, it's a victim mentality. And we've got a whole bunch of people out there that don't learn to pick themselves up and take responsibility, and you got, oh, my God, I feel like preaching in this house. And they say, God, you know, I've been waiting on you for 50 years. And guess what? You're going to be waiting on me if the Lord tarries another 50 years. Because we, we say, we, let me just say something to you. God's waiting on you. We used to sing a song by Clint Brown years ago. Waiting on you, waiting on you, patiently waiting on you. And I am not worried about the time. Lord, I seek to find my strength while I'm waiting on you. Come on. But God sings, sings the same song to us. Waiting on you. Waiting on you. I'm patiently waiting on you. Come on. I ain't worried about the time because I'm eternal. And boy, I seek to find my strength while I'm waiting on you. Touch your neighbor say, it's time for me to get going. It's time for me to step forward. Quit being the victim in your life. Come on. I want to say this tonight, that the, the real struggle isn't with the circumstance. The real struggle is with your imagination. And if the devil can ever get you to start thinking the wrong thing in your life, you're going to have terrible outcomes. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, for our light affliction, our light affliction, not this heavy, overdone, burden, can't get up, fallen down, never have a chance, but a light affliction, which is but for a moment. So what I'm going through, the struggle I'm going through is not a burden I can't bear. First of all, I know it's a light affliction. So my struggle is light, and the Bible says it's only for a moment. Your storm is not meant to last forever. It's working. Watch this. What I'm going through is working for us a far. Everybody say far. Everybody say more. Everybody say exceeding an eternal weight of glory. What I'm going through is actually working for me, not against me, to bring me something that's far more exceeding than I can even ask or think, come on. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Now that's where the struggle is. Because what we've been taught to do is to look at what's going around or all around. I ain't got enough money. I don't have enough talent. I don't have enough network. I don't have enough budget. I don't have enough people. I don't have enough life left. All these things come into play, and it begins to wear us down. But he told us that we're not to look at the things that can be seen, but we get our eyes focused and focused on what we cannot see. For the things which are seen are what? They're temporary. And temporary means subject to to change. 
If you can see your health problem, it's subject to change. If you can see your bills stacking up on your desk, that's subject. And he said, but the things which are not seen, they are what? Eternal. God's already waited against eternity, and he's already found you to be the winner. Everything in life is for you to win. You may not always get what you think you deserve, but you will get a whole lot more if you just put yourself through the pressure and say, I'm not backing down. I'm going to walk through this valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. You are with me. Jesus said to his disciples, do you say they say? Do you know they say? Four more months and then comes the harvest because he's talking about springtime. But now then he's moving into a time, uh, he's moving in time of spring. He knows that, that in four months there's going to be a harvest. That's in the natural. But he says, that's what they say. But let me teach you something different. When you look at that field, you should know something about the field. It may not give you what you want in the time frame you wanted, but all you got to do, he said, is lift up your eyes and see that the harvest, I'm about to run in this place, that your harvest is already white and waiting for you to collect and get its fruit. Somebody say amen. Woo! He said, lift up your eyes. Use your imagination. God gave that to you to change the wrong image that you have into the right image that he wants you to have. Let me make this statement. A redirected thinking, redirected thinking produces a redirected life. If I can ever just get my thinking right. If I could just get my thoughts in line, if I could get my imagination from running away from me and get my imagination focused and, 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 and seeing something that God has a plan and, and I ain't going to fall this time and I will make it to the end and I'm not going to fall back anymore and, and cry about it. I'm going to press through and, and get past that tape and finish the race. Come on, somebody. I got to redirect my thinking and that produces my life to be redirected. Just like the prodigal son. And we read the story Jesus tells about this son, and, and he, was a, he was a wealthy boy by way of inheritance. And his father, uh, he went to his father and he said, you know, Dad, I don't want to wait till you die to get my inheritance. He said, why don't you give me your inher my inheritance now? And his father thought about it and said, you know, all right, if that's what you want, I'll give you inher your inheritance. And so he gives him his portion, the Bible says. And the boy takes it. He's a, he's a man, but he's a young man. And he takes it, the Bible says, and he goes into the city and he spends every last dime on crystal. Come on, someone talk to me. Uh, uh, bars, clubs. Can I say it this way this Thursday night? And ho, somebody say amen. I felt that it did not go well with everybody, praise God. And he, he spent all his money on riotous living. That's hoes. That's drinking too much. That's partying. That's what he did. Until he had nothing left, couldn't lay on nobody's couch no more. Everybody kicked him out. Ends up at a farmer's place and he sleeps with the pigs at night. The farmer comes by and feeds the pigs uh, the slop, the pod they call it, the slop, feeds them and he's so hungry that he says, oh, I would just have just a little bit. He starts thinking, I'm going to eat me some of that slop. 
Now, have you ever seen slop? It's nasty. It's gross. You know, pigs, they don't mind, you know, going to the bathroom and eating in the same place. He's about to eat it. He's so hungry. And the Bible says, Jesus said rather, but he came to himself. Which means he had, like I said on Sunday, it was the wily coyote chasing the roadrunner. But he can't catch him. But all of a sudden, bing, come on. The light bulb goes off. And he says, I've got myself an idea. He has an epiphany. Same with the, the prodigal son. He has an epiphany and says, oh, 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 I see. This is not me. This is not my portion. This should not be my life. I will go back to my father. I will repent to my father for I've done him wrong and I did him wrong with his inheritance, but I will not go back as a son. I don't deserve that. I'll go back simply as a servant because the servants get treated way better like wealthy people compared to where I'm at. And he goes back to the father and the father sees the son from afar off and he's been praying for him. He's been believing for him. He's got a hole in his heart for his son and when he sees him, he runs after the son. He don't wait with his arms folded and say, that's right, boy, keep on coming. You better, you owe me an apology. That ain't what this father did. That father went and embraced that boy and hugged that boy and kissed his neck, took off his shoes, took off his coat, put him on his body, took off his ring, put it on his finger. He said, I'm doing me your servant. You're not my servant. You're my boy. You're my son forever. Everybody say, we got a good, good father. I said, say, we got a good, good father. He takes care of you when you need him. But you watch this. It was up to the son. Though the father was ready to embrace the son, the son had to have a redirected thought life. And the moment his thought life got redirected, he had a redirected life. And now his steps were ordered to the Lord and put him right back into better graces with the Father. Are y'all ready to get into that place of favor in your life? Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks or imagines in his heart, so is he. So his imagination is either going to be filled with evil or with good or nonsense. You know, you can have a life of mediocrity too. If your, your thought life is filled up with games, huh? Oh, weekend warrior stuff, come on, y'all. Playing and all that kind of stuff. That's the outcome that's going to be in your life. But the thing the Bible says, if you think it, you become it. Whatever you think, you become. Thoughts have essence. Thoughts have essence that manifest themselves. If you don't believe that, talk to Job. Job, he said, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me. The thing that I greatly feared. In other words, he was fearing something that had not manifested. Oh, Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. He's thinking about something. He's afraid of something that has not happened. And that's what real fear is. It's fear we don't know the outcome. Or we've already set ourselves to believe that it's going to be the worst possible outcome. Therefore, we're too afraid to step out and make a difference. He said, the thing that I greatly feared had essence he said, because it came upon me. The thing I fear manifested in my life. Another statement I'm going to make to you. Meditation is the pathway to manifestation. 
Meditation is the pathway to manifestation. Whatever you set your mind to think on, it opens the door and the path for you to walk on. And church, your life will shift in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. And if your thoughts are on the word of God, which means they're elevated, they're higher than your natural thoughts, you will win in this life. If your thoughts are not on God's word, but on what your word, what you can produce, what you can do, you will lose in this life. Um, uh, your, your life goes in the direction of your most dominant thoughts. Joshua 1.8 says this, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. How often are you supposed to be thinking about the word of God? How often? Day and night. That's a 24-hour cycle. And I know you got to work and you got exams and you got babies to take care of and food to put on the table and grocery shopping and mowing lawns and everything else. But somehow, some way, we got to change the way we think because thoughts are coming in our brain all the time. So we got to capture those thoughts, see, and meditate on what God's word says, which always opposes what we're going through. God is always ready to make a way where there seems to be no way. And when you meditate on there is no way, fear comes in and you won't make a path for that. Only what you're fearing comes to you. But when you know that God makes a way where there is no way, he's kind of like, um, what is the, those things in our car, the map, and that person talks to us. What's that thing? GPS. God can be likened to that. Now, of course, he's much more complicated, but you understand what I'm saying? Same thing. You punch in your, your address, you put it in, gives you your ETA. Uh, it's going to be an hour and 10 minutes to get there, uh, and here, this is what's going to happen. And so it gives you the directions, right? But then you come up to a what? Detour. But it didn't take in the detour. So you turn right when you're supposed to be going straight, and it says what? Recalculating. And it says, take the next street, take Linden Road or whatever, uh, left in 500 feet, right? And you take, now's another detour, right? And you take another road. Oh, there's a tractor in front of you. So you got to take another road. Come on, somebody. I'm talking to somebody that's been down this road before. And it just keeps saying, redirect, redirect. It never says, I'm sick and tired of you. You better listen to what I'm telling you. You ain't even paying attention, young man. Don't, no, it just says, redirect, rerouting, redirect, rerouting. God does the same for you. God's got 59 ways to get you where you need to go. Amen, somebody. Meditate on the word day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it. So I meditate the word of God. I do the word of God. Then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. You will win in life. Proper meditation creates proper imagination that yields proper manifestation. This ain't somebody's book. This stuff I got. Watch this. Proper meditation creates proper imagination that yields proper manifestation. And here's what imagination is. Imagination is taking you, I'm talking about proper imagination, is taking you taking dominion over your thoughts. It actually is thought domination. It's not daydreaming. Imagination harnesses Organize, organizes and brings order and direction to your thoughts. 
You have thousands of thoughts going in your mind and right out, in and out. Imagination says, i got to take control of what's happening with my thought life. And I tell my imagination, this is what you're going to think of. I'm giving my imagination a visual. I'm giving my imagination a picture. I'm giving my imagination an image. And I'm now then I've got the image, I can now harness my thoughts. I can organize them. I can bring order to them. They say, well, where the, that's, where they go, that's where they're going wrong because that's, that's just their imagination running wild again. No, thoughts run wild. Imagination gives them an assignment. Just like the Shunanite woman who was overwhelmed by sadness and you know she was just, just heartbroken that her son, her little boy, had passed away. And Elijah gave her the promise of that little boy. And so she, she, she says, don't move him. I'll be right. And she runs to Elijah. Elijah is the prophet. Elijah represents the word of God. So now she, what she do? She puts her emotions and her thoughts in check. How do you know, pastor? We read it. She runs to the man. She's got an image in her head. If I can get to the prophet, if I can get to the word of God, my boy will be alive when I get home. You ain't even here. And so she runs. How do you know for sure? Because when they asked her, they saw she was in distress. Is everything okay? She says, maybe with tears in her eyes, but says, all is well. She's organizing. She's disciplining her thoughts to the image of my son will be made well. And we know that boy was raised back up to life. Again, give the Lord a shout of praise in this house. <laughs> Jeremiah 1.10 says, see or imagine I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down. I want you to imagine this, Jeremiah. That's what God's saying. See it, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? What do you imagine? And I said, I see or I imagine a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen or imagined well, for I am ready to perform my word. Somebody just said, well, that's not how you get the word of knowledge. You don't just imagine it. No, you're, you're right and you're wrong. That's true. But I'm here to tell you that God uses your imagination. He plants the seed of that word or that image in you, but he uses your your filmmaking process, come on. You're all uh, Steven Spielbergs of your own movie. He uses the image that you have. He uses the verbiage that you understand. Amen. So imagination is the power of God to recreate and to redesign your life. Got to say that again. The imagination that God gave you is the power of God to recreate and to redesign your life and it's free and nobody can tell you it's wrong because it ain't their story. You better get yourself free from people's opinions because everybody's got one and it does not make it right. And if you let that get in your spirit, they'll run your life. 
You only answer to God and God alone when it comes to that. And you have to understand that God will use other people to speak in your life. But the truth of the matter is, you're responsible for the vision God gives you. Uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says this. And am I boring everybody all good so far? Give me a couple more minutes. And do not be conformed to this world. Conformity to the world, church, is a symptom of a lack of righteous, a righteous imagination. It's a symptom of a lack of, uh, of, of creativity because we just go with the flow. We're not being creative anymore. We're just, well, that's what they do. It's what we do. And I see the church is shifting now. And we're either going to shift into a pagan uh, idolatry we're either going to shift into a, a Babylonian type of a concept, a worldly concept, or we're going to shift more towards holiness and righteousness, but leaving the judgment of other people to God and God alone. Because I notice holy and righteous people, they want everybody else to live like that, and if they don't live like that, they ain't going to heaven. You can't, that's not yours to judge, but we ought to be going more holy and righteous. I'm on it now. I'm on something now. So my point to you is this, something shifting and conformity to the world is not God's way. Living and shacking up with your boyfriend and your girlfriend, I'm sorry, sir, I take a risk, I won't see you next week, but I love you and I don't know who you are. So if you don't look at me weird, I still won't know who you are. But it ain't God. Well, everybody else does it. I don't care. My mother told me one time, if everybody else jumps off the bridge, you're going to jump off the bridge too? And I'm like, ah. Yeah, no, yeah, I wanted to say something back. I couldn't think of nothing. Just because the world does it doesn't mean it's right for you. Well, the world does all that. You know, they use that, those words and they, they say sexual jokes all the time. And all, yeah, yeah, but that that's not, doesn't mean it's for you. See, y'all were amen me a lot harder five minutes ago. Shh, I'm not about C-Tech. Should I just finish this in tongues and someone get the interpretation? We go home. Conformity to the world is a system that we're not being creative with God. But be transformed, the Bible says. How? By the renewing of your mind. In other words, transform means become something else. You can change who you are now by the renewing of your mind, your thought life. You're the renewing of your thought life, the renewing of your imagination that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And by the way, I'm making light of what I just said a moment ago, but there is a deep cry on the inside of me for holiness and righteousness. It does not mean that I'm holy and righteous all the days of my life. I got struggles like you got struggles. I'm just trying to tell you something. We are not to live that way as a lifestyle. We're to live a repented lifestyle. Which means I got to get it right, Lord. I can't keep acting like, you don't like this anger, God. You don't like when I see that, God. You don't want that in my ears or in my eyes. You see, you're, I'm living a repented life. Not a perfect life. A repented life. But to accept the behavior of the world as a standard for the church and the people of God is not God's way. And it grieves my heart. Because I believe deep down inside, if you're saved like me, and I, can, I can't be your judge, but if you're saved like me, something goes, I know I'm not living right. I know, I know. I can make excuses. I see everybody else do it, and they seem to be okay. But inside, it's like, I know this is wrong. I know the Almighty does not, is not pleased with me. That's good that you have that feeling. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you so you can get it right, so you can start winning in life. Thoughts are internal images that the mind perceives as reality. Thoughts are internal images that the mind receives. And I, I'm out of time. I got much, I'll have to pick up next week. But let me say this. Thoughts are internal images that the mind perceives 
as reality. That's why uh, you can wake up in the middle of the night and be sweating, heart pounding over a dream you just had. Now, is the dream real? Not a trick question. Is the dream real? No. It's in your imagination. Okay? But your body didn't disconnect from the reality of the dream. So your body believed that what it was seeing was true. Do you know that's the same thing in the spirit realm? That when we put out there by faith what we see, not with our natural eyes, which are temporary, but those things which are not seen, but we speak those things and we believe those things and we walk out those things. It is the, the body doesn't know the difference from the reality of it and neither does the kingdom of God. And that's how you bring a manifestation. Just like your body, oh, your blood pressure is high, your heart's racing, you're sweating like crazy. You're looking around the room going, am I still in the dream? Am I not? How many ever had that thing chasing you? Praise God. The thing with the arm. Come on, chasing you. And, it's, and you're in mud and you're like, oh. Uh, you're right, and it's full steam. And you can't, you've had that before? How many ever rebuked that demon thing in your dream in the name of Jesus? And it stopped. It growled at you, but it had to stop. Even in your dreams, the name of Jesus has power. Somebody say amen. But my point to you is this. You don't know the difference from the reality. Because, again, thoughts are internal images that the mind perceives as reality. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. We're going to receive tonight's offering. I'm going to tell you a little story while they're coming. Prepare your offering. There's four ways you can give tonight and be a giver. Praise God. I know it's summer. I know you all still want to do things and all that, but never, ever take from God to go on vacations. Don't do that. Make sure we take care of the house of the Lord. Amen. Oh, I want to say something right now, but I'm going to leave that for Sunday or next Sunday or something. Um, while you're preparing your gift tonight, and I want you to really, really, really get back into your giving. Uh, and those who have been faithful, thank you so very much. Thank you so very much. Um, <laughs> your perception is your reality. I haven't told the story in years, but it's a good one. I was a, um, a praise and worship leader for my father years ago, this was in the 90s. And I was like 20, I don't remember, mid-20s, 23 to 27, somewhere around in that, in that realm. And uh, I was in Beloit, Wisconsin. And so we lived in Janesville, which is about 15 minutes north of Beloit. And so my wife said, would you, would you drop me off at, at Walmart? I got to get something. And, you know, I always tell my wife, I beg you. I beg you with everything that's within me. Please go in. Get the item, pay for the item, and come back out. Jesus, everybody, Lord, and everybody up there, help her, Lord. Think, make it I, because I'd be watching my wife go into the store, and she got to get one. She's gonna get toothpaste, and there's women that go in five minutes after her, come out with eight bags. Come on, somebody, fifteen minutes before she comes out with the tube. I don't know how that works. Well, this was on sale, anyways. It's a girl thing, so I I thought she's gonna go in and out. So I parked, Rich, I know you're a cop, ex-cop. I parked in the fire lane up against the curb. I'm back. I'm not in front of the door or nothing. I'm back at least 50 feet. But I thought, I'm not going to have any way to buy. She's going in, coming out. So it's hot. It had a bad day. Bad day. 
preacher was mad. The window was down. And I noticed that people coming out of Walmart, this before they started filming all them fights at Walmart, praise God. Didn't have that then. And, and they were coming out of Walmart, and they were looking at me, looking at me like they were looking at my car where I was parked. And I'm like, what in the world are they doing? Oh, they don't want me to be parked here. So now I'm getting an attitude because I'm thinking they're judging me for being parked there. At the same time, I'm already getting angry and they're angrier because my wife's not going in and coming right back out. So now I have to endure these people looking at me and judging me, Dennis, saying this guy shouldn't be parked here. And I can tell they're looking me up and down. And I did what you shouldn't do. I said, Lord, if one more person looks me up and down, I'm going to let them have it. I ain't going to put up with that. And I am not going to do And I mean, I'm steaming mad, right? Now, I'm a young preacher, but I am saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, and I prophesied. Come on, somebody. But I'm a human being. I said, one more person, this guy, like this, God's my witness. He's like this. I said, oh, no, Jesus, please, Lord Jesus, no, 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 no. He's not going to do it. He just looked, and, man, he broke his neck. He just kept on looking at me. And finally, I jerked myself. He's looking at me like he knew who I was. I jerked myself out of the van and said, excuse me. Do I know you? He looked at me and said, yeah, aren't you that praise and worship leader down there in that Beloit church? To which I said, praise the Lord. I thought I knew you. How many knows your perception becomes your reality? Come on, somebody. Amen. Be careful. People know who you are. Even when you don't think eyes are on you, they are on you. Amen.